Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast, brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing, and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. So I'm excited to be joined today by Adrian Swinsko, customer experience advisor, author, speaker and creator of Punk CX. Adrian, welcome to the show. Hi, Simeon. How are you doing? Very well. Um, I'm very well and delighted to be here. So you're here today to discuss how you've created a punk rock version of customer experience to help business leaders fundamentally think and act differently in their approach to CX. Before we dive in, though, do you want to give a quick introduction to our listeners? Um, Well, so introduction to me is I have done a bunch of various things over the course of my career, but for the last I've been an economist and a teacher and a business kind of like developer and all these different sort of things. But for the last 15 years, I have focused on um, service and experience on the whole service and experience space, because the thing that frustrates me is how uh, one customer service just annoys me. Bad customer service just annoys me. And it also frustrates me that organizations in many ways get in the way of their people doing a good job and also kind of their customers getting a good having a good experience and so i've been looking at this and researching this for for a, a while i've written about four books podcasts you know articles the whole kind of ad nauseum as it were um and out of frustration really kind of came up with this thing this position called punk cx a few years ago which sort of um challenges people to Think different, think differently, and do better things. Because I just think that we're um, there's a lot of activity and investment and enthusiasm in the experience sort of space, but there's not a lot of significant improvement in customer outcomes, and that feels just wrong. Now, it's additional on the show to get things kicked off. I'd love for you to share a time recently where, as a consumer, you experienced customer love firsthand and really what impact that had on you as a consumer. Um, well, I, 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 when you, you, you gave me a heads up on some of the, some of the things that, um, that you were going to ask me before the show. And when I saw this one, I was a little bit conflicted by it because I looked at it and I, I thought, hmm, actually... I can't really think of very many things. And that might be a function that I just don't go out very often and don't speak to that many people. And maybe I'm just becoming a curmudgeonly, cantankerous old git. But hey, you know, but what it did make me think about just then or prior to the, our conversation is that um, a bit of a bittersweet thing. It made me feel good, but then also made me feel bad in a, in, 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 a, in the same way. So... We were talking before, and I was on a recent work trip, and uh, on the way back, um, some enlightened individual or doofus, 
pick your option doesn't really matter kind of had decided to, to to fly their drone in the vicinity of the airport that we were about to land in which meant the whole airport got shut down and uh we got diverted to a nearby airport because we didn't have enough fuel to keep circling to wait for it to clear so we ended up going anyway i missed my connecting flight we were informed by all of this by the the crew on the the plane that um that we would be met at the gate. People that had missed their connecting flights, they said, we know who you are, you'll be met at the gate and we'll make alternative arrangements. I rebook the flights and make sure that you've got somewhere to stay kind of overnight, kind of until you kind of get to, you can get to your next flight. And I thought, well, that's inconvenient, but that's kind of cool. But then the thing where I felt kind of like, oh, this is brilliant, like love, as it were, in inverted commas, is when we landed back at the airport we were supposed to be at, I turned my phone on. And almost instantly, I got da, 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 about three different sort of SMS messages. First one said, "We've automatically booked you on the next kind of like flight back back home, which is Edinburgh, and, and that'll be leaving at five to eleven in the, in, in, in the morning. Same boarding pass, just kind of show up. All good." Da, da, da. The next one's kind of the next one came came in and goes, "You'll also be needing to stay over." Kind of like so. Here are kind of like click through this link. We, we here's like three options that you can pick. It's all on a map around the airport. Pick one of those things, and we'll get you sorted out. Kind of like and 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 on your way. So I was like, brilliant. Then I click through the the link. Picked the um the the hotel that was the closest to the uh, the airport. Went bosh, I'll have that one. They were like, fine, that's all confirmed. Got another message which says, brilliant, you're all confirmed. Here, here's what you do when you get off the plane. Come out of the terminal, turn left, go around the corner, wait there. Shuttle bus will pick you up, take you to the airport, take you to the hotel. Jobs are good. And I'm a bit like, easy, brilliant. In an inconvenient kind of moment, in a thing that's just really happening, I was a bit like, ah, oh, that's brilliant. However, that's the sweet side of things. Here's the bitter side of things. And the point, because I was sat next to this couple that were traveling come from the same place and they were going to the same airport but they were getting a different connecting flight going somewhere else but they'd all booked through done the same thing booked through the same airline etc etc they got the same kind of message and then when i i did all this thing on my kind of phone and i looked around and was like going huh i'm like did you get these messages and they were like no and i was like huh did you book through the same airline kind of thing? It's like, fine. And they asked me, it's like, do you have like a loyalty program with this airline or have you booked, booked a special seat or anything? I'm like, no, nothing. This is like bog standard economy, no loyalty program, no special treatment, nothing. And three people within the space of three seats and in one row got remarkably different experiences out of a tricky situation. Now, they then had the the prospect. They were going to get taken care of, but they had to leave the plane, meet the staff, go and queue at the service center to sort their flights out and then to have their kind of accommodation sorted. And so that felt, for me, it felt, one, really inconsistent, but it was a properly bittersweet sort of thing. I was like going, I'm loving it, but I wasn't really kind of um, feeling good about the folks next to me not having such a, having a very different experience within the same kind of like situation if you know what i mean 
Yeah, that's very interesting, actually. Um, and it's a bit of a shame, really, because what you were describing there sounded fabulous. You know, you're in a quite a stressful situation. The one thing you really need there is just you know, clear instructions and guidance as, as to what you need to do. Yeah. Um, but obviously, it's a shame there wasn't that consistency across all of the other customers as well. Exactly. And it's like going, there's a great German word, which is called um, schadenfreude. Mm-hmm. where we take kind of glee in other people's misfortune. I'm sort of like, there was no schadenfreude on that row of that kind of plane, kind of that day. I was a bit like, no, that's just rubbish. You know, for me, it felt like, yeah, this is kind of oh, it's rubbish, forced layover, all that sort of stuff. And then you're like going, da-da, it's like a recovery thing. It's like, bosh, 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 poof, all sorted. And I'm a bit like, it just felt wrong that I got it and they didn't get it. I mean, they didn't even get the email. They didn't even get the message. They didn't get the messages. They didn't even get an email. They got nothing. It was like, and they'd done booked all the same sort of like kind of the, the same, gone through the same process as, as I did. And I was a bit like, that just feels a bit weird. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Um, okay, so let's shift gears. I, I really want to dive into this idea of Punk CX. Um, I want you to kind of share with us mm. what the concept is, where it was, where it was born out from. Like I said, I've I've kind of had a taste of it because I was lucky enough to get both of your books. Um, and I do love the the approach that you take with it um, in terms of just, you know, no holding back, very kind of clear in, in terms of what you're saying and, and really getting people to think in a different way. So I'd love for you to kind of uh, share your experience of Punk CX with us. Okay, so I should start by saying the kind of the... So it's, the original book, Punk CX, was born out of frustration. And like I said, alluded to a little bit before, is like I really like the idea that there's the experience experience space has got a lot of there's a lot of activity a lot of enthusiasm about it a lot of investment but there was a point a few years ago when I was talking to a friend of mine about this I was going excuse me I was a bit frustrated well I'm still frustrated but at the time I was very frustrated probably fueled by a few pints of Guinness um, about when we were talking about this that and I was about the lack of improvement of these outcomes whether it's customer outcomes or employee outcomes or business outcomes and I blurted out, I wish somebody would do something a bit more punk. I to try and break the mold to move the needle, as it were. And that idea sat with me for a while. Then I thought about it a bit more. And I'm a fan of punk music, more sort of post-punk era rather than original kind of punk. Although I love some of the original punk stuff. I'm just not old enough to have gone through that. I'm more of a two-tone scar sort of like kind of guy. Um, but it struck me that if you think about where the, the, where punk music came from, punk music exploded out of the back of progressive rock in the 1970s. And progressive rock was also, was whilst it was popular, it was also kind of like famous for and also accused of being overly elaborate, self-indulgent, more interested in its own virtuosity than anything else. And punk went well. Bugger that! You don't need to have a PhD in music to be able to play in a in a in a rock band. Anybody can have a go. And they took a more of a DIY, democratic, back to basics approach, like all heart and emotion, all about impact. And I thought that's fascinating because it struck me there 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 was possibly similarities between the pro, the prog rock space and where the experience space is right now. That the experience space is become this industry in of itself that's becoming almost like overly 
codified, certified framework, benchmark, metric, etc., etc. And that, as a result of that, it's become more interested in itself than its constituents, i.e. its customers, and the people that it's there to supposedly serve. And therefore, if that's true, then what would a punk version look like? What would be the thing that you would have to do in order to break the mould and to make that impact? And that's what the book was about. So the book, actually, and and, and also the follow-up one, the Punk XL one, which followed it up, the point with all of this sort of stuff is like going, it's not about answers. This is not about giving you another framework or another benchmark or another kind of like, here's four pillars that you need to kind of like to keep in mind when you're building out these programs. It's like, no. In the true nature of kind of punk, it's about challenging the status quo and about shaking people and going, think differently, uh, do better and be better. Be braver, be more courageous, take risks, all these different things, because actually it matters. And that's what the kind of the books were trying to do. And so it, it, it tries to take a very, very colourful, sometimes profane, very punchy, sometimes controversial um, approach to things. But it's in a short, very pithy, kind of sometimes provocative sort of way. But it's there as a as a challenge and to urge people to do better things. Yeah, and I love going through it. And, and when I was putting together this podcast, the... Um... The way that I wanted to approach it was just tackling certain chapters that you had in the book. So I've, I've selected some of my uh, some of my personal favourites. Mm-hmm. The first one I wanted to go through with you is the one that's entitled uh, "Loyalty is Dead, Long Live Loyalty." And I think a lot of people on the call will be, um, you know, loyalty, customer loyalty, loyalty programs, etc., will be kind of front and mind in terms of what they're doing at the moment. And I loved. Uh, what you were saying in the chapter around true loyalty is driven by how your entire business operates. You can't just rely on a, a loyalty program in isolation. I'd love for you to go into a little bit more detail on that. Yeah, so I think the thing is that um, and it, 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 it's sort of indicative of how we run our kind of organizations is that when we think about something, then we end up creating another team for it, as it were. You're like, oh, no, customer loyalty. Oh, we have to have a team for that mm-hmm. rather than it being a thing that pervades it. So a bit like, you know, same, same sort of thing around um, customer experience. It's like, oh, we have a team for that. Well, surely it should just be everybody's job, right? Um, and it should be kind of woven into the sort of the DNA of, of what you do. So there's that. And, and then people create these kind of loyalty programs and, and everything else. And that's kind of fine. But here's the reality of it is that until your kind of point is that loyalty is a whole business game and the research shows that roughly about 90 percent of all of your loyalty is driven about by what happens on two points in your journey on the customer's journey and about 50 percent of that that 90% is driven by what happens around your buying experience. How do I find you? How do you build trust with me? How do you make me feel good about kind of like the, the purchase I'm about to make? You know, how do you make it easy for me? All of those different sort of things. 
and that makes sense if you think about it from a psychological perspective go back to the go back to the, the the individual the human being that makes complete sense because what we're we driven by we're driven by the like the, the the idea that we want to feel right we want to feel smart we want to feel confident about the decisions that we're making and the stuff that we're that, that we're doing right so it's like get that right make people feel good about it make it feel easy make it feel they feel like oh it's the right sort of thing it's gonna it's gonna fit with me all these different things brilliant jobs are good and then the other significant part of things that you've got to get right is what happens when something goes wrong because as human beings we know that things go wrong we know that that, that stuff sometimes just doesn't work but the thing that, that's important to kind of point out is that um, we don't like risk and disappointment, disappointment and failure and and, all, and uncertainty and all these different things. But we accept that things do go wrong. But when things go wrong, what do we want? We want somebody to show up and help us or save us or catch us. And if anything, that's almost the most important bit. Because also further research shows that we value the avoidance of risk, disappointment, uncertainty, and failure between five and 17 times more than any joy, surprise, or delight effort. You're like, so get those things right. Get the basics right. Be brilliant at the basics. Build that foundation of credibility and trust and reliability. And guess what? You'll drive loyalty throughout your uh, your business and any loyalty program can be added value and and it will really work then so what you're not doing is you're not trying to put a patch on a leaky bucket you're building a bigger bucket yeah and i love i love the concept and, and we've had lots of guests coming on to talk about it before around the fact that loyalty customer experience in general just can't exist in a vacuum it's you know to be a truly customer centric business that needs to be flowing through the entire organization be part of the fabric of the businesses as you said there and things like loyalty programs can then support with that but fundamentally it needs to be kind of flowing through the, the entire business yeah. um the second chapter i wanted to come to and i love the title of this one actually is are you an artist or are you just coloring in and this actually comes back to the point you were making before around i guess where punk cx came from is that people have been used to doing the same thing over and over for years and years sticking to the kind of status quo even if they're you know losing the effect of actually what they're trying to do um so i guess what you were saying in that chapter and again love you to go into a little bit more detail is um let's challenge the status quo a little bit and let's be a bit more creative let's have a bit more creative license and try new approaches yeah absolutely i mean so i love this title even if i do say so myself it's like <laughs> a slightly self-congratulatory thing what maybe a um drunks would call a moment of clarity um uh but it is that sort of it's a serious point are you an artist or are you just coloring in and it does speak to the the ideas that um Many people are doing the same things and expecting to create difference mm. or expecting to kind of like to stand out. And I look at that and go, well, that doesn't make sense. So what it kind of actually kind of comes out is that we end up with a bunch of people that are following the same sort of path. They're almost like coloring in, um, expecting to create art. Um, 
and it becomes what you get is you end up getting to the kind of point where things become really formulaic. Everybody's doing the same sort of thing. Like you take people's vision statements or what people are trying to do in order to develop their, their service and experience. And you're like going, well, everybody's sort of doing the same thing. Nobody's really kind of doing anything sort of different. And there's a number of different kind of issues, kind of there's reasons why behind that and issues with that. Um, and so my challenge is, is that to realize that actually you are artists because experience is not all science. There's an element of art in it because what is good art? Good art is something that resonates with you and moves you, whether it's music or it's literature or it's poetry or theater or whatever. It's something you just go, whether you kind of like it, it's like, it has an impact and it's like, right. Despite all the kind of mechanics and all the science and all the different kind of things that hold these different things, it's actually that, that, that when it all comes together as a whole, it has this bigger, it's bigger than it is, its component parts. And that's where the challenge is, is like, if you want to create that difference, if you're really, really serious about wanting to be different and to stand out and to make a difference to your customers and your employees and your businesses and all these different sort of things, then following the process and just coloring in is not really going to cut it. I mean, BCG and McKinsey have got all these different sort of like research studies that show 70% of most of these customer experience, digital transformation kind of projects um, fail to hit their objectives or fail to or fail to deliver on their 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 stated objectives. And a lot of time it's because it's just it's a really formulaic approach. Because they forget the people part of it in large part. And so I think that's the kind of it is that it starts the book that one is right at the front of the book because it starts it sets the tone and it sets the the the, the challenge. It's like going if you wanna do things differently then you have to be willing to try different things. And I think customer experience, it, you do have that opportunity to be a bit creative and try things differently. It shouldn't be, I don't think, in my perspective anyway, it's not a very kind of rigid discipline. There are so many different ways to skin a cat, so to speak, and kind of get to the desired outcome um, that you should, to your point there, kind of, have a bit more creative license and try new things and try different things and, and ultimately kind of elevate yourself above the competition you're probably doing the same thing time and time again so i love that mm -hmm. concept um the final chapter i wanted to talk to you about was the one around um it's all about your customer experience it's all about your customer's experience not your customer experience and the part in that chapter that i really loved the example that you gave with amazon the fact they leave an empty chair in every meeting to represent the customer, which is a fabulous visualization. Again, lovely to go into a bit more detail on that chapter. Yeah, so um, thanks, Simeon. I think the, so the title, I asked people this question. The title of this track is, is that it's all about your customer's experience, not customer experience. And many times when I'm in meetings or, you know, I'm, I'm talking to different people, I ask them a question that says, what's the difference between customer experience and the customer's experience? And that obviously gets people kind of chatting, getting kind of some different ideas going. I'm going, look, technically, 
The only difference is four letters and apostrophe. If you take the two things kind of separately. But in reality, there's a country, it's a country mile. From an organizational reality, it's like the customer's experience and customer experience are usually, sometimes they don't meet. And what I was trying to illustrate with that is to realize, and it goes back to the whole genesis of the punk CX idea, is like going, you're here to serve the customer. You're here to do things that will improve the experience that the customer has. I don't care about um, kind of like your VOC program or whatever as a customer. I don't care about any of that sort of like stuff. You know, I just want stuff to work. I want things to be easy, to be effortless, all these different sort of things. I want it to matter, to be valuable, to make sense to me. And but what I was trying to illustrate is that we get caught up in our own stuff and we forget the people that we're here to serve. And I think the example with Amazon where they, they you know, whether they actually leave a chair empty in every kind of meeting or when they're thinking about things is that, that the empty chair is always in their thinking, as it were. What would the customer think about this? And it, it's it's built into how they do things. I think it was a really interesting way of keeping customer concerns front and present. And now you can do that as part of a process thing. But I also think we need to bake it into our habits particularly as like experienced leaders. I mean, I would challenge people to say, you know, take a look at your, take a look at your, your calendar, right? And your team's calendar. Take a look at it over the last kind of week or the last month. And ask yourself, how much time have I spent talking to my team about customers? And how much time have I spent talking to customers? Um, and if you get that kind of a, you, you'll end up you you absolutely guaranteed you'll end up with this massive skew between we've been we've been talking about talking about customers with people that are not customers versus this tiny amount where you're actually not talking to customers uh, well but, but, but that you've actually spent talking to customers now and I would challenge everybody to go out and free up some time to spend more time either talking to customers or talk to people that talk to customers on a daily, weekly, monthly kind of like basis. Because the the closer that you get yourself to where the the real action happens, the value is created, where the money is spent, as it were, where the experience happens, the better insight you're going to have. And it's the difference between having, it's the map and territory kind of problem it's like where we talk about being have being data driven decision making machines or just having data driven decision making organizations that's all great but that's more of the um a lot of people will then stick at the data that they get their dashboards and their analytics and all these different sort of things but there's different levels to data 
because the data at a high level is like your map, but it doesn't tell you what the territory is actually like. It doesn't tell you what the weather's like, if there's potholes on the road, if there's any traffic, all these different sort of things, right? And that's where you get this much clearer, more textual, kind of more accurate, more visceral sort of like sense of what's actually going on. And that's why where I think you have to go and speak to customers to get that um, and get closer to kind of the customers to do that. And And that's what I mean by... It's all about your customer's ex- customer experience, not customer experience. And the, your job is to collapse that distance. Because three things I'll tell you, kind of like, um, and this is where I, I think to to think about people when, well, that people should think about when 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 it comes to this, is to realize this. And this is different levels. And you have to think about where you are as a leader or as a professional on this sort of scale. So first level is data informs us, and most people should be doing gathering the data to inform us. But the next level is that stories move us. So we're gathering kind of like, so it's not, you're moving away from quantitative to more qualitative kind of verbatims, all that type of stuff, and then move us. But the third level, and the much deeper and more meaningful level, is that experiences compel us. When we've seen it, when we've experienced it, when we've felt it, we've engaged with it, then we start to move. So data informs, stories move, experiences compel. Most people are level one. A few are at level one and two, even fewer still at level three. That's your job though, to make it real. Make the customer's experience real. I love that. Um, Adrian, we've covered some amazing ground today. Just in closing, I wanted to reflect on your final words in Punk XL, where you said, step up or step aside and do your best until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Right. So the first thing is like, um, I, 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 I say, you know, step up or step aside. I mean, I say that because I think it's, it matters. This is important work. Uh, you're dealing with kind of people's kind of hard-earned kind of cash. And if you're not up for the job and you're not really into it, then go work in somewhere else. Because I think this is it's important. You're dealing with people's hard-earned money and people's lives, and people want, and there are a whole bunch of people that want to do a good job. And if that's not you, and you're not willing to commit to it and and to try new things and do better things, then it's possibly not for you. Now that doesn't mean to say you should step off, kind of right now, because. I, I I acknowledge that there's a process that goes with this. It sometimes takes time. But as you say, is um, the bit the, the last bit that you said is do your best until you know better, then when you know better, do better. That's I did I never said that. That's all down to Maya Angelou, the genius that is Maya Angelou, the late Maya Angelou, who said, Yes, do your best until you know better, then when you know better, do better. And I think that's a lesson that we've that, that, that we finished the book with and that, that finished that at Punk XL is because this is a process. This is not a one and done sort of thing. We are, you know, customer experience will always change. It'll always evolve. And what we need people to do is to realize it is this organic evolving sort of thing and that it will always change. So we have to be always be open to learning, open to listening, open to trying new things, open to being wrong, 
open to you know to fail and open to kind of pick ourselves off pick ourselves up dust ourselves off and then go again and if we have the right intent and the right open kind of like kind of minds i think we can go far adrian it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you so much for joining us today thank you simeon for the opportunity it's been a delight talking to you You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.